and illness can become an all-consuming experience. Hi, and welcome to I Am Not My Pain podcast. I am your host, Melissa, a chronic pain sufferer for over 20 years, and I know firsthand how pain can easily take over your life and isolate you from others. But the truth is, we are so much more than our pain and illness, and we are not alone. There are millions of fellow warriors on their own journey. Join me as we hear real stories of people living with pain and illness, their challenges, their victories, and the treatments they use to get through the day. I am not my pain, and neither are you. Welcome back to I Am Not My Pain podcast. For the chronically ill, self-advocacy is essential in receiving the best medical care. Even though the doctor may be an expert in his or her field of study, you are an expert on yourself and what you are experiencing. You hold the final decision on what doctor you see and what treatments you try, insurance permitting, of course. But speaking up and self-advocating can be challenging, intimidating, and sometimes downright overwhelming. So what are the steps you can take in order to advocate for yourself at the doctor? We have broadly touched on this in previous podcasts, but I wanted to give my listeners the real meat and potatoes, if you will, to receiving the best medical care possible. For this discussion, I am very excited to introduce my guest, warrior, and advocate for today, Allison Finn. Allison is a chronic illness advocate, substitute teacher, actress, business consultant, gardener, and housewife. She has spent the last decade unraveling different health issues caused by a hypermobile form of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, a rare condition where at any moment her joints can move out of place, triggering nerve pain, spasm, and injury to the connective tissues. More recently, Allison has been dealing with severe gastro issues, including rapid gastric emptying, as well as fainting and believes she's experiencing symptoms of POTS. Through her experience, Allison has learned to effectively advocate for herself and is truly the perfect guest to share the steps she takes. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. It is something near and very dear to my heart because I don't know for the rest of the chronic ill community, but I know for myself, sometimes you just feel like you're lost in the woods and you just mm-hmm. wish somebody could give you a lifeline. So if I can give that to anybody, then I feel like that's one of the, the bright sides of dealing with all of these conditions. That's right. <laughs> the little bright sides there are. Allison, would you share a little bit more of your story and the symptoms you currently manage? So Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is a connective tissue disorder. And basically what it is, is the collagen inside our bodies is not created properly. Collagen is in everything from muscle to connective tissue to um, all of your different organs to your skin. I mean, it, it really is everywhere within the body. So there is no cure. There is no easy fix. It represents very differently with every patient, which makes it very challenging for both the patient and the medical providers to be able to give that patient relief and comfort. Mm. For me, Oh, I guess I've been mostly symptomatic where it affected my day-to-day life about the past 10 years, as you mentioned. And it was, I kept getting all of these random injuries. I'm a relatively active person. I exercise. I, I am one of those weirdos that enjoys it. So <laughs> um, oftentimes, you know, hanging out with friends, I like to do something active or something involving exercise or working out. 
And I got to a point where I couldn't even walk. So that was a very strange, drastic change for me. I went from a marketing manager and working more than 40 hours a week to basically forced retirement and figure out what's going on. And I saw so many doctors and so many specialists and so many alternative medicine practitioners. And it took me, gosh, 10 years. I've only been diagnosed for three. So seven years, seven years to get a diagnosis. Wow. And I'm not the type of person to wait by and idly wait for somebody to tell me what's wrong with me. This was seven years of active, engaged advocacy and searching and researching what I could on my own. And I'm lucky that my sister is a physical therapist. My aunt was a RN. My husband on his side, all of his sisters are in the medical field. So it's not even a matter of having access or being able to ask questions. It's just a matter of this is a strange shaped peg that doesn't have quite the hole to go into that I guess your normal population gets to experience with doctors. And this year has been particularly interesting and challenging for me because on top of the regular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome um, issues, I have secondary conditions, I guess you could say, which are very common with Ehlers-Danlos patients. And I know that because I research a lot on my own. This is most of what I'm going to tell you is what I've found out myself because I am often the one coaching my medical care providers about Ehlers-Danlos mm-hmm. syndrome, which I wanted to just say, you mentioned it's a rare condition. It's one in 5,000 people. So it's actually not that rare. It's actually less rare than MS. So I don't understand why there is not proper protocols in place for people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, because we experience some of the same stuff. We have too loose joints. We have issues with skin. We have issues with our heart because it's a muscle and it's surrounded by those tissues that we make incorrectly. We have issues with our digestive system. Like all of these things are very plain day, readily available in research, but for whatever reason, the medical community is just not on board and they consider us to be this rare, we've never heard of this condition, or we mentioned it in medical school. And our, our professors basically said, don't pay attention to this. You're never going to see it. If you hear horse hoofs, consider it's a horse. Don't look for something else, which of course, for us that are chronically ill, we are the zebra. We are the weird one. Mm -hmm. So that's very frustrating. And I'm sure you can hear some of the frustration in my voice because this has been, you know, it's 10 years of up and down and very incompetent medical care, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And I, I'm sure doctors are doing the best they can too. So I'm not sure where the disconnect is. Yeah, no, it's true. And I do think a big piece of it is so many people don't recognize they have it because they go off the one symptom they have and they don't get collectively looked at in a comprehensive manner so that it just gets overlooked. And then because doctors don't focus on that or look at that, a lot of doctors, the diagnosis gets skipped and you know it can be a genetic disorder. And so say your grandmother had it, but had no idea she had it. And so it's, it's, it's very difficult, but you're right. It is not rare. I mean, from what I'm learning about it is not rare and it should be more studied and more discussed because it causes a lot of severe issues. So when you said this last year has been really hard, what's been going on? I mean, I know I mentioned in the introduction and you've told me about some gastric issues and then some fainting, which of course, you know, my bells go ringing for pots from what I've learned about Ellis downloads, but tell me more about when that started. 
So I have never had gastric problems in my life. I'm very lucky. I'm very regular. Never had any issues with that. And again, my, my husband and I, we eat very healthy. We're active as much as my body allows me to be. I mean, I try to do as much for my health as I can because otherwise it just compounds. And I'm sure you know what that's like. And our other chronic ill listeners know what that's like as well. If, if you don't take the time to do what your body needs, it's going to make you take that time. Basically what happened last year in July, and it was an overnight occurrence, all of a sudden the next day, I thought I had food poisoning. I was vomiting and nauseous and having, you know, issues with diarrhea and it was all day. So I had the same thing as our friends that were visiting and I had my nephew and his friends visiting and we all ate the same thing and nobody else got sick. So I just figured, oh, I got a bug. I got food poisoning, which I've had before. So it it seemed like that, except it's continued for almost a year. (laughs) That's not normal. And it was on and off, not every single day, not all the time. And there didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason why it was happening. And for me, it was really, I was getting a lot of bloating, a lot of, a lot of gas, a lot of pain, which again, I don't get. And, um, I was really concerned about malnutrition because my body just would not keep the food I was eating inside, even the bits that it would let me eat. Mm-hmm. So of course I talked to my doctor I don't have a whole lot of faith in doctors at this point with 10 years of nonsense. So I know to go in kind of with a, maybe they can help me. I'm always open to it because Lord knows we could all use it, but also experience has told me that you need to find the right person, Mm -hmm. the right person willing to listen, the right person willing to look for what is considered apparently rare, which is not. Um, And a doctor that will actually listen and care. I feel like I'm sure doctors care. I don't see how else you could get into that occupation without caring. But when your patient has been with severe diarrhea in her mid thirties and can't work, can't leave the house is afraid to socially interact because she doesn't want to poop herself in public. A year is far too long to go through Mm -hmm. that far too long. And the amount of time they make us wait between different tests and the amount of time of just wasting while we're suffering is inhumane. It's absolutely intolerable. If anybody in their family was suffering the way that we are, they absolutely would make it a priority. Right. So I'm hoping doctors will listen to this podcast as well and understand like as a patient, we are so overwhelmed and tired and hurting and suffering. And we're coming to you for care. We need somebody to give us hope. We need somebody to give us, Hey, we can figure this out together. And that has not been my experience. (laughs) And I, my doctor, she does her best. I have a primary care doctor. I go through Kaiser. That's unfortunately our insurance choice that we made. And I'd had Kaiser since I was like 18. I've been very familiar and it was always useful because you could go in, they have all of your records available. If you need to go in immediately, you don't have to wait to see your particular doctor. But if you have anything that's in the gray area of health and treatment, Kaiser is not any good for that. So for example, the rapid gastric emptying, and I'm telling them, you know, what is going on? What are my issues? And they're, they keep telling me, oh, well, it sounds like you might have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So let's try low FODMAP diet. For those of you that don't know about this diet, it is horrendous. Basically it allows a lot of foods on there. I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole because they're not good for your body or you or your health or taste or anything else. They're 
disgusting. I don't know how we can call that food. Um, so those are approved, but healthy foods are not. And I understand there's, there's amazing university in Australia and I can't think of the name of it. I want to say it's Monat college. Anybody suffering with gastric issues, check this out first. They have a very comprehensive website, video tutorials. It's a really great tool to see if you are actually suffering from IBS and if these kind of diets will help you. Mm. So I did that research on my own. I found that on my own. Did my doctors help me with that? Absolutely not. Did they give me a printout or sheets or any other information? No. You know what they told me to do? Oh, you probably have IBS. Try low FODMAP diet, which you have to do from four to eight weeks and see if that helps. Did they give me a list of what that diet included? No. They said, look it up on the internet. Mm. Look it up on the internet. That was the response. Wow. And when I came back to say, hey, it's not working. I'm actually sicker on this. What else can we do? This is not what's happening. Um, we did a bunch of different testing again at my insistence. Hey, let's check for parasites. Let's check and make sure it's not diverticulitis. Let's check and make sure it's not some other kind of inflammatory issue. Let's check and make sure there's not, you know, an issue with my valves in my gastric system. And through my pushing of that, having to look up and talking to friends and family in the medical field and telling them what I'm suffering with, they were shocked as well that I was not immediately referred to a gastric specialist. So that again is really frustrating. If you're having these issues, your primary care doctor is like a person that's supposed to oversee your overall well-being, but they are not specialists in these particular systems. Just like you can have a body mechanic, really amazing with the outside of your car, but it's going to know little to nothing about the engine mm -hmm. or little to nothing about the brake system. So I usually kind of relate medical specialties to different parts of the car, because oftentimes you go and see doctors or specialists. And again, they don't look at you as a whole person, which is with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, you absolutely must because it's all interconnected. And so it's really frustrating to go to these specialists and have them just have this tunnel vision where they are looking at, okay, this is within my realm of expertise. So it must be this mm -hmm. so basically all of this in a very, very long way of saying we did the tests, no parasites. We did the tests. I don't have any allergy to gluten. We did a bunch of other different tests too, to rule out other things that I don't quite remember what it was for. Finally, I saw, I didn't even get to see the gastric specialist. Let me back up. Oh, no. wait, let me guess. You saw a practitioner. No, <laughs> no, no. We had a phone call. Oh man. I had a phone call appointment and that took six weeks to get. Of course. Kaiser. Kaiser's benefit of using them is that you can get more immediate care. And that has not been the case here in Hawaii. Oh my gosh. It's been a nightmare. <sighs> so imagine months and months of severe diarrhea. You're afraid to get up leave the couch, the bed, you're in so much gastric pain from the bloating and the gas. You just feel miserable. Like you're going to throw up the entire time. You feel toxic. You feel awful. And the doctors are pulling this kind of crap while you're suffering for that long. Mm -hmm. So finally talking with the gastric specialist again, telling her, Hey, the tests are all negative again. And I'm still having all of these issues. Like what else can we possibly do? I want to check. And she said, this is going to be another good one. It could be you have small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which from my research that I did, because again, it's been months and months that I've been suffering and the doctors are not helping me. I said, okay, so you guys do the breath test for that, right? 
oh no, we don't offer that anymore. We used to partner with Straub, which is another um, medical provider, but we don't do that anymore since COVID. So what I want to do is put you on the antibiotic to treat it, which is 14 days long, which you cannot stop during that 14 days. And it is absolutely known to make your gastric symptoms worse. Mm. Who in their right mind would select that option? So I said, okay, let me repeat this back to you. You have severe diarrhea to where you cannot live a normal life. And now your doctor is telling you, take this, maybe it'll work, but you're definitely going to suffer much worse for the next 14 days. Does that sound like an option you would take? (laughs) So as you can see, I'm a very aggressive personality. This is where I'm at in my advocacy. You don't necessarily have to go to that level and it doesn't always work well with your doctors. But for me, I thought that was absolutely ludicrous. And I let her know that. So then her next option was, okay, well, and I said, so you guys aren't even going to allow me to go to Straub to get this test done, which is not invasive, to see if I have that so we could treat it appropriately. So I'm not suffering for no reason taking this medication that you think might help me, but you guys won't pay for that. And it's $200 out of pocket. Okay. So we're not doing that. And she said, well, the next thing we could do is we could do an endoscopy and we could also do a colonoscopy. Basically, they take a scope with a camera on it, go down through your throat from one side and up through your anus from the other side to check out your gastric system and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. That could be super useful. However, they didn't even know what they were looking for. It's very invasive if you have connective tissue issues because there is something foreign going into these areas and whether or not they're gentle, that's the risk you have to take. Mm-hmm. You might have some issues created from it. That's another risk you have to take. And they may not even find anything. They have to put you under for these kinds of procedures. Right. So I said, okay, again, you're just shooting in the dark. It's a very high chance you're going to make it worse. That's not an option for me. So I guess I will just deal with what it is. Think whatever you believe in, whatever deity or religion or spiritual thing you believe in, think whatever it is. I talk to a therapist on the regular because she helps me with the mental side of all of this stuff you have to deal with and the stress and the anxiety and the depression that it comes with. So we talk at least on a monthly basis and she's wonderful. And she actually came up with an idea for me and she said, okay. There was something from like the 70s to the 90s with Edgar Casey, and he came up with this idea of using this um, castor oil compress, and it's supposed to help with assimilation, so getting those nutrients into the body. It's supposed to help with elimination, getting you know the waste out of the body, and it's supposed to help reduce bloating and any other kind of inflammatory response in the gastric system. And I said, you know what? At this point, I bought adult diapers because right. I can't live in my house anymore. I'm just going to be pooping in public, I guess at 35, 36. Um, that's, you know, I had to go through that way before my time, but that was absolutely way, 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 way way before. And anybody else that's suffering through this, I'm not trying to play any kind of age games, whatever your body is doing for you, honor your body. But generally, this isn't like, you know, and like I say, every time this isn't to compare, you know, we all have our own journeys and it's, it's really just to hear that person's journey. And you can hear parts of yourself in this journey. I know I can't, like I'm already in it. I'm like, yep, nope. I know. understand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
So, I mean, I get it. And oh, and going to buy adult diapers too. They don't give you sizes like small, medium, large. Good luck. So kind of like old school pantyhose in that, in that sense. So I was like, well, hopefully these fit, took them out. They're actually not as thick as I thought they would be relatively comfortable. So I did that for a while. That was awful. (laughs) I'm very grateful. I'm not in that position anymore, but I do have them on hand in case, but back to what became my miracle cure Mm -hmm. was the castor oil packs. Basically you soak like a wash rag, washcloth in castor oil. It's cold pressed. And it comes from the castor bean and this oil you can get from health food stores. You can order it online. It's readily available. Make sure it's a cold pressed variety because it does have different nutritional benefits and somehow it works better. I'm not sure exactly why I don't have the science behind that, but I just went with it. So you soak the rag in that and you place it directly onto your abdomen. You want to cover as much of your abdomen as you can. Obviously you're laying down and you put a plastic sheet on top of that. I am small enough in my abdomen to just cut like a Ziploc gallon bag in half. And that covered for me. And then you put a hot pack or a heating pad on top of that. And you marinate your stomach in that little compress for about at least half an hour. It's better if you do 45 minutes and optimally an hour and a half, which again, for chronically ill people that have pain with, you know, issues with pain or issues with injuries, you can't always be in a position for that long at a time. So as much as you can tolerate, but oh my gosh, immediate relief for me, immediate relief for my bloating, immediate relief for my gas, immediate relief for the severe diarrhea to where, you know, I'm thinking of what other supplements can I take? Because my poor little body is just not getting what it needs because it's not sitting in my gut long enough to absorb. And I had tried probiotics and I had tried all these different kinds of enzymes and other things from the health food store, just, just so desperate for relief. Mm-hmm. And this oil pack did it. And it does it for me every time. Cause I'll notice that my gut will start to get like maybe out of balance or whatever it is that causes it. Maybe it's the pots, the Eller stainless. We don't really know. Um, but anytime I start to get that same kind of feeling, or I start to notice that my stool is not as normal as it usually is, I will cast oil pack as a preventative and it works every time. An added benefit to that process is I used to get really nuclear level pain cramps when my menstrual cycle would come every month. And we're talking not just your average, oh yeah, it makes my back achy. No, like throwing up from the pain, pain. Mm. And it's a genetic thing. My sister is this way. My poor niece is this way. Unfortunately, all of the the women in my family got this wonderful trait where your period is just torture for at least a couple of days. So I happened to be having gastric issues around my time of the month. And I've used the gas castor oil pack. And normally I have to take just below the threshold of an overdose for ibuprofen to cut the pain mixed with an appropriate amount of aspirin as much as we can do as well too, because those are two different kinds of NSAIDs. So you can take them at the same time. I would not recommend this to anyone if you have bleeding issues, et cetera, again, but that's what I was doing before, which is not good for your body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ibuprofen actually has a accumulative effect over our lives. And there, there's a bunch of research that's coming out recently about how it has negative effects for us long-term. So the castor oil pack, I had mild, mild cramps. First time in my life. Wow. So those are also now my go-to for my period days where I have really horrendous cramping and we're talking debilitating. There's no leaving the house with that kind of cramping. Um, the castor oil packs, I can actually go to work 
Like it's, it's been a godsend to me, but did that come from my medical care professionals? Absolutely not. Thank goodness for my therapist and knowing more about alternative medicine and suggesting that to me and it worked for me. So sometimes our answers come from the least expected places. Oh, it is so true. Yeah, it's so true. So many interesting places and it is so interesting to listen to your story. I have to say, I mean, I know you said you kind of had that personality of like take charge. And did you just start off self-advocating when you started getting sick or was it like a gradual process? Because I know a lot of people like for me, I was very young. I was only like 18. And when I went to the doctor, my parents really kind of when I first started getting sick, you know, kind of handled it. And of course, at some point they were like, all right, you're old enough. Like, let's and and they would still look at my parents instead of me, even if I was the one speaking but I would speak very fast or I was very intimidated by the doctor at the beginning. And it took me a while and practice to get less intimidated and to be able to speak up a little bit better and clearer. And I didn't know for you if it was just a right off the bat kind of thing, or if you kind of had to work at it. I would say yes and no. Yeah. And I would say that it kind of goes ebbs and flows with our health cycles too. Mm-hmm. So I've always had this kind of personality and it's, you know, unfortunately due to a rough upbringing, had to advocate for myself. So I already have that natural kind of personality. However, when you are facing health crises, health challenges, things that come out of nowhere and you have no idea what to do for yourself. And again, I come from a background of, you know, I studied massage therapy. I know enough about anatomy physiology. Like I, as a hobby, like to study nutrition. I'd mentioned to you, you know, one of my favorite things to do as a social engagement is to go for a hike or go for a swim, like very, very health conscious. So I already kind of had that background behind me as well too. And knowing that the way that we train our doctors in this country, they do not have alternative medicine training. They do not have, they have less training than I do in anatomy and physiology. They have less training than I do in nutrition. So when it comes to something like a gastric issue, where those are the two, you know, kind of foundations you need to start from is nutrition and health going to see a specialist that has not the same amount of information that you have, or even less, they're not going to be able to help you. How could they, they don't have the information. So I would recommend find a nutritionist. Find a dietitian. Not that you necessarily want to set up a diet, but I did talk to a dietitian again with this gastric stuff. And I said, I just need food. What can my body hold on to long enough to get nutrition from? Because it's just expelling everything immediately. Mm-hmm. And the dietitian was super useful because she said, you know what? Try higher stakes of protein. I want you to shoot for 20 grams of protein per meal. And I want you to try to avoid these particular foods that are known to cause inflammation in the gastric tract. There's also a mechanism in our gastric system that um, signals the different enzymes to come in and play. And it also signals when the gut is empty. And there's a really important thing that happens when the gut is empty to kind of reset the system to be ready for new food and processing. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of that, that mechanism, but she was the one that told me about that. And she said, it could be because you are snacking, because you said that is usually what works best for you. She said, it could be that that mechanism never gets to do its job because it's always got food in your system. So let's try this. Try to allow at least four hours between each of your meals and do not snack and see if that helps. 
which I did this at the same time as the castor oil packs and the other things too, because I'm desperate. It's been a year of this horrendous diarrhea experience, right? And not to mention I'm married. Like my poor husband, you do not feel sexy and want to engage in sexual intercourse when you are gassy and bloaty and worried you're going to poop all the time. Like it's really affecting every part of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think people realize how impactful gastric issues can be until you experience them, you know, trying to find what works for you. And I want to put a pin in this because I actually want to talk about it later, but what I want to start with really with advocating is how do you approach meeting a new doctor and how do you self-advocate for yourself as a new patient for a new doctor? Like, what are the steps you take? I know my steps, but I really am curious about yours because I think people really need to know how they approach, you know, new doctors, old, you know, all those things. Like, what are the steps you take before going to see a new doctor? For me, I'm a 37 year old woman. I'm a professional. I have earned these 37 years. Let me tell you. So that already bolsters to me to, I am 37 years old. I know about the world. I know about my body. I know about these things. So I already hold myself at the same level, maybe a little bit below because I'm not a specialist. I'm not a doctor, but I don't see them as God. I feel like a lot of times patients do. We think that doctors are like akin to God somehow. And, you know, that they have all of the answer and all the info. They're just people that studied. Mm -hmm. They're just like us. They just studied medicine. They're also not living in your body. Absolutely not. And oftentimes I would say in my experience, this is not a statistical (laughs) reality, but in my experience, I would say 80% of doctors that I have met probably got C's and that's how they became doctors. Sorry to say that docs. That has been my experience. C is average guys. So doctors get to be doctors, even if they get C's in school, they're just passing. So don't expect them to be your answer, be all everything because they're just human too. And I also tell people that are a little bit, because I I do try to go on the different sites I'm on and the mighty is a wonderful one. Um, I go to the different conferences for Ehlers-Danlos and I try to encourage people that are a bit more shy, maybe a bit more passive, maybe a bit more intimidated. You write down what you want. You don't leave that table, that chair, that room until they answer it. And if you need extra support, you bring a person that you know is able to get those questions answered. I had a friend, super shy, having back surgery. I went with her. I mean, I'm very experienced now in the medical world and getting those questions. I had my questions ready and she got so nervous. She just completely forgot that we even had questions. And that's why I was there to remind and just to kindly say, okay, we have a bunch of questions we need answers to, and then go through the list. But yes, if you need someone to help you, to help do this with you, especially until you get more comfortable and confident in it, then do that. Find a person that is, you know, a parent, a spouse, a friend, someone that you know is very forward, but at the same time, you know, they don't need to be pushy. Like they just need to be enough where they say, say, Hey, you know, command a little bit of attention where they say, okay, these are the questions we have. And we're not going to leave till we get these answered. Thank you so much. I mean, you don't have to be horrible about it. You just have to be, you know, firm. And if you, you cannot do that for yourself, bring someone who can. Absolutely. I have brought my mom with me to different appointments, a good girlfriend of mine, my husband, 
And there's times too, guys, I'm sure you can tell by the way that I'm talking, like I'm a very confident person, but when I feel horrible, when I'm really having a bad health day, I am not me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be this kind of confident person to call doctors on their BS. I'm not going to be this kind of person to say, no, you are going to help me with what I need because I'm paying you for a service and you don't have to be rude about it. You don't have to be awful about it. Absolutely not. And don't be afraid that they're going to label you as a difficult patient. The way you can get past that, and that's not okay for doctors to do at all, regardless. And you can just explain to them the reason I might be have passion in my voice. I might have frustration in my voice is because I'm not getting the care and help I need. I need you to help me. I need you to listen to me. I need you to help me find solutions. Most human beings, if you ask for help, are going to give it. Most human beings, if you ask them for what you need, will help you. So that's a huge thing that you can use. Those words are powerful. I need you to help me. Sometimes doctors are so busy because I know for Kaiser doctors, they are lucky if they get 15 minutes with their patients. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Wow. That's, that's barely anything. That's so, and they have a huge caseload that they have to meet. And then they have all these emails that come in as well too. And they have to check on all the different tests and everything else. Like doctors don't have a lot of time to be with their patients. So there's a reason why they're trying to rush you through and get you out of the room. But you are there. You have waited for this appointment. You have suffered waiting for this appointment. You own that space and you take the time you need and do not apologize for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the same time, if they do brush you off or treat you differently and don't appreciate the things that you're saying, then you have to recognize there are other doctors. And I know it's not perfect. And I know it's extremely frustrating and angering and exhausting, but just know that they're not the only doctor out there. They're not the only specialist. And I mean, of course, that's easier said because I live in a big city and I know in smaller towns that might be hard, but if it doesn't fit you right, don't feel like you have to stay there and don't feel like you need to stay with this doctor just because they're a doc, you know, just because they're this doctor. You have to know, I think it took me a while to feel confident with my conditions and not, you know, because at first, a lot of times I was told I was making up the pain and part of me honestly took that in and thought maybe I am. I don't think I am. Why would I do that? I've never done that before. I've never had a history of doing this. I feel horrible. And once I kind of settled into, no, this is real. This is happening to me and I'm listening. I'm not saying you don't listen and take in some of what the doctor says, but at the same time, you have to know yourself. And it took me a while to do that and then be able to go with confidence and say, no, 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 this is real. This is happening. The symptoms I'm telling you about are real. They're bad especially because with my condition and a lot of conditions, you can look okay. You don't look that sick. And a lot of us have high pain tolerance. That's a whole other problem. And they don't, they look at us going, well, you don't look that bad. You don't look like you're in that much pain. And I'm like, I am, I just deal with pain daily. So my tolerance is higher than yours. There's so much there, but being an advocate at the doctor It is not easy and it may not be your personality, but there are ways around it. There's ways to help yourself. I'm actually going to have a medical, she actually graduated medical school and then got chronic, well, she was chronically sick during medical school. And now 
she's actually going to kind of talk about the, what she learned in medical school versus being, being a chronic illness patient and the differences, which I think is fascinating. They would do that. I wish that part of their training would be that they have to be a patient. You have to live with this disease for a month and mm-hmm. you have to try to get help for it and do like a whole mock of it. I feel like doctors would have so much more compassion than for your patients. When you live this, you get so tied into it and it's so hard. And it's so impossible sometimes and you just want relief. And when nobody is giving that to you and no one is listening to you and no one is believing you, that's the worst one, especially Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. What I got the whole time we lived in Georgia, all the doctors I saw were like, oh, you're not overweight and you're young. You'll be fine. That was the response to all of my issues, to all of these random injuries, to all of this incredible back pain. I finally saw a back specialist while I was there and he didn't know what to do with me either. He basically was like, well, we could do exploratory surgery. I'm like, okay, again, as a patient, think of what that sounds like. You have no idea what's going on with me. You don't know that you're going to find anything, but you want to cut me open and put me through surgery and dig around in there, which is a known risk a known downtime for several, several months. And I already knew at that time, I didn't know I had Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, but I don't heal quickly. My tissues do not heal like normal population tissues heal. It takes much, much longer, sometimes double. So I'm like, you're talking about months and months of me being down and you still may not find anything. And, or are you competent? I don't know. What if you had a fight with your spouse that morning and that's what's bothering you that morning and you mix something while you're in there. Now I'm paralyzed. Is the risk of that high? Probably not. But these are things that I think of as a patient. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not choosing that option. Well, I love, I love what you're doing. And I think this is a good tip too, is I love how you repeat what they're offering to you in a way that says, would you be doing this? Let's think about what you're saying for me for this treatment. Would you think this was a, you know, kind of like, would this be an acceptable treatment to you? I think that is really clever and smart. You're not getting ugly about it. You're just saying it in a, a way that's like, hey, you know, this this seems a little out there. Like, you know, are you sure there's not something else? And and you do see my conundrum here that you are offering something that could damage me, could, you know, really not give us any answers. That's very expensive. You know, why would we do that? I think that it's important sometimes to flip that script in that way so that the doctor can hear it in a different way. You know, when a doctor is not really listening, I think that's a good tool to kind of use as well as I love the help me the, you know, can you please just help me because it does kind of tap into that humanity side and take that notebook with you, have a notepad, have a paper. If you don't have a notepad and a pen, have your questions written down beforehand. So that way, if you get emotional, you get nervous, you get anxious, whatever is happening with you, you're still getting what needs to be accomplished in that appointment. And you can do it very systematically without having to bring more emotions into it. And you can even give it to the doctor if you can't verbally express what's going on, because sometimes it does get that hard. There's definitely times, like you said, ugly crying. You can't understand what I'm saying in that instance. (laughs) Yeah. And I do try to come in with that frame of mind, almost like a student or a very non-emotional about it as much as I can. I mean, it's not easy all the time. Like I said, ugly cried, you're human, things happen. But to come in saying, I'm going to get the answers to these set questions and try to stay on that as best you can. Another thing I recommend, obviously, with the doctor's permission is to voice record it. Like if you are learning information, like you're getting an MRI result or 
whatever, you are already stressed. You're already heightened. You're already freaking out. You're about to, or you're discussing surgery, whatever it is. It's nice to have that to go back to and re-listen to what the doctor said about, you know, whatever it may be, if the doctor allows it, of course, but it's, it's so useful. I mean, I would just hit the voice record, stick it on my leg and, um, and then I had the whole thing recorded. And if I ever needed to go back to it, like they were discussing a part of my issue, then I could, and I didn't have to call the doctor again and wait two days or whatever to get the response. <laughs> and so it's, it's definitely helpful. And I, and kind of going with that theme here, you know, what do you recommend when you are, you know, like I said, with the voice memoing before like a procedure or treatment, what you know, how do you decide what to do? And I think a lot of people too, I want to say like, they want, they feel like they need to decide that day and you don't. So take the time you need to let it absorb. I know you want the answers. And that's the other thing about self-advocacy. And that's hard because you are desperate to try anything. And I have, I am signed me up. I've tried the craziest things, you know, but as I've learned, you know, I have to go with my gut. And you have to go with that feeling of like, is this really right for me? Is this really beneficial? Is this going to give me the answers and the things I need? Even though this doctor may be very gung-ho about it and very excited about it. So is there anything else you'd kind of recommend in that arena if somebody was going for like a big treatment or surgery like before that? Sadly, this is all the time we have for today. Please stay tuned to hear the rest of Allison Finn's interview as she shares more tips for self-advocating, including her suggestions for important doctor appointments. Thank you so much to Allison for her time and to all my listeners for tuning in. Never forget you hold the final decision-making power in your health and your medical team is supposed to be there to guide and support you, which I know may not always feel like the norm. We understand self-advocating isn't always easy but you will find your path as you go along your journey. And as always, remember, you are not alone, and you are not your pain. Like the show? Please subscribe and leave a review. Or do you want to be a guest? Simply email notmypain at heroescircle.org. Again, that is notmypain at heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, circle.org. Your story matters, and we look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle, a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at herocircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at herocircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, we wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace, purpose.